Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. John Lennon once said, a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Join me as we connect dreams to reality by chatting with innovators from around Washington, DC. Our show is proudly sponsored by the DC chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. This is the Impactful Leadership Show. Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough, Managing Partner of Blackbird Capital Advisors. Today's guest is an exciting entrepreneur, a bona fide branding badass that has given dozens of companies an unfair advantage by helping them communicate their unique blend of brand and culture to customers. He's the boss at Nickel Bronx. Please welcome Borzu. Oh, thanks, Greg. That's quite an intro. Man, who is that? <laughs> there you go. Well, it's great to have you on the show, Borzu. Our, this show, we focus on leadership. And my favorite question to ask my guests is, tell me about some misconceptions in leadership. Man, there are a lot. Um, I think three, um, three big ones that I've been thinking about for this. One is that there's no perfect time to execute. Uh, another is that you don't need to know all the answers. And the third is that you're going to figure it out, right? And that like, once you do, you can keep doing the same thing which is just not how it works, right? Um, the first one I feel like is there's no perfect time to execute. Um, and I, I say this and and this is definitely an entrepreneur one more than just a leader one, but, and I say this in the nicest way possible, but the more like I have met and gotten to know like really killer entrepreneurs, the more I'm like, this guy's, this guy's not much smarter than me, right? Like these guys, like you meet, you meet the ones, there's some, don't get me wrong. Like I, I met this guy once who invented Fios. That technique, I got, I could never do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know some guys that have the same product as everyone else, the same pitch. They may be even reselling something someone else is reselling and they still have like a nine figure company, right? And I think, I think a big part of it is not thinking about all the downside, right? And like, so don't, don't do something stupid, right? But if you're waiting for a perfect situation or until you have like 100% of the information you need to make a decision or until like you're just sure it's gonna work, like that day's never gonna come. Uh, if you, honestly, if you have more than like 65% of the decision, 65%, of the information you need to make a decision, you waited too long. <laughs> like, like someone already decided, someone already moved, someone else had that idea. Um, and timing is such an important part of like how everything unfolds. I don't care if you're talking about business or dating, right? Like timing's very important. And I think so many people wait and bojangle and overthink that they miss it or they just even never do it. You know, because there's always, I mean, truly, right? Like, is there not always a better reason to not do it than to do it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I love that. Um, and just continuing on with that thought um, and the conversations that I have with clients and other entrepreneurs is it's not a black and white decision, right? It's not as if you got to make a decision and then you have to, I mean, you have to live with it, obviously. But generally speaking, there's things that you can do after the fact that sort of mitigate if that decision was the wrong decision or a not perfect decision, right? So to your point, like if you've got 60% of the data or you feel, 
and you you just got to do it right to your point about there's no perfect time and one of the downsides to that right is like you can still manage yourself out of whatever situation you put yourself into so i think that's a great misconception yeah, sometimes you make the wrong choice and like fall into a better situation <laughs> you know you just, you just never know how it's going to play out well said yeah so talk to us about your second misconception um is that you don't have to have all the answers right and this uh this is a little bit maybe going to tie into the third one too but there's this idea that you have to like run and understand and know everything. And that's just not, it's just never gonna work, right? So, uh, and this is one of Vern Harnish's things, but he always says, uh, the answer to every question is another person, right? So like, if you need to find a new CRM, like don't spend a month researching the ins and outs of every CRM, right? Like find someone who knows a lot about CRMs, Tell them what you need. It doesn't have to be a service. It doesn't have to be someone you pay. There's probably someone in your network or a friend of a friend, right? Who like can really easily answer this question for you, right? Don't blindly take everyone's advice, right? But you can you can get people and leverage what they know to figure it out, right? Like you don't have to understand how to do every single service your company implements inside and out. You have to know what makes it successful and is it working and kind of be able to test it to make sure that it's working, right? But like, you don't have to understand all of it inside and out. It's just, and frankly, you wouldn't be able to if you wanted to. And I feel like leaders and entrepreneurs in general, instead of, and this can be outside help and it can be inside help, right? But either empower your people to figure it out, right? Like let one of them take it on, but give them the same advice, right? Like find someone who knows how to do it. Um, we, had a, we had an issue come up just a couple of days ago, actually. And this guy on my team was like, okay, well, I will, I found this course. I'll do this homework. I'll, I'll figure this out. And I'm like, it'll cost us like 200 bucks. To have like, why are you doing this? It'll cost us 200 bucks to have someone else do this. Like, why are you going to take the time to learn this to do it once? Mm -hmm. Right? Like core service offering. Fine. You better be the best in the world at that. And you better understand it inside and out. Right? Like, you know, if you're, a, if you're building a house and like, I don't need you to know how to attach the trim perfectly if you can find someone to do it, right? Like, that's not the critical thing that's going to make or break the deal. Yeah, and we're diving in that a little bit deeper or asking you for another example. Do you have other memories across your career of when you wish you would have just found somebody else to do something instead of, like, boring through some aspect, like, especially early on, like, when you're first starting your... Your entrepreneur. Yeah, like this maybe should have been number one. This is like my life's <laughs> lesson. Um, so to like not bore everyone with my entire life history as much as possible, like I used to have a printing background, right? And so we were in the print business and, you know, there even within that, there's like 18 different kinds of printing, right? There's offset, digital, wide format, screen, heat transfer, right? And I, and I did, I went down the rabbit hole on each one. I know more about how to put a vinyl sticker on a piece of glass than I have any business knowing. And it's just frankly, not a valuable skill set, right? Like in that regard, it was a waste, but also I could have done much more for the business 
if I outsourced or hired or figured that out, right? Like if you're in a leadership role, whether you're a manager or CEO or entrepreneur, like you're good at something, <laughs> probably, hopefully, right? And so that's what you should be doing. You know, some, some ancillary, slightly related, like if it's fun for you and you want to do it, fine, right? Like, you know, should your company be doing Rails? Probably. Should you be the one posting, figuring out the software? And depends on your bandwidth and, you know, like if you really want to do it, fine. But otherwise, probably not. Right? Like I don't, I don't want to watch a 50 year old learn how to do reels and TikTok and explain all the differences to them, right? Like that's, it's just not a good use of their time. Um, and I think that, I think two things, I think one, like you're probably not going to get to the same decision as someone who knows it really well, but two, just the opportunity cost, right? Like what could you have been doing instead? Like we were talking recently about when to hire an assistant. And I think it was in the, in the, the WhatsApp group they were in actually. And, um, I said, I said, listen, take your hourly rate and whatever you're actually making an hour, right? Like not what you bill per hour, not what you want to be like the actual amount of money you make divided by the number of hours you work. That's like how much money you actually make for every hour you work. If it costs less than that, outsource it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I still fully believe that, but it also only works if you use the time you freed up to make money, right? Otherwise, like, you know, so the opportunity cost is important, but you can't outsource your entire job and not do anything, right? At least not yet, like we're trying to get there. But, um, but yeah, in that capacity, right? Like trying to figure out and understand everything to its core, it's, it's, it's a waste of time. Like you're just not doing what you're best at. You know, my favorite part of what you just said is when you listed off manager, CEO, and then at the top was entrepreneur. It really <laughs> it made me <laughs> smile. I'm biased. I don't know. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I really appreciate the way you thought about, you know, on that topic of when to hire an assistant and looking at the opportunity cost. But you made a very a great point around, yeah, if you outsource something and you go play game video games all afternoon, then you really shouldn't be outsourcing it. You're not going to actually make an ROI on that time. That's just going to be a direct expense with no income replacing it. Yeah, exactly. Um, you got to keep that in mind, right? Otherwise you get in trouble. <laughs> so let's jump to number three, when you're talking about um, figuring things out, expand on, on what you meant by that. So I think, I think this is kind of true for life in general, right? Like everyone thinks they're going to get to a place where like just everything's fine all the time. Um, and that's just, you know, life is nothing but a never ending series of complications. Uh, but especially as your business grows, things change, right? And so I don't know who told me this, and I don't know if it's true, but, but someone told me once that for every 20% you grow, you need to redo all your systems, right? And a more common expression is, what got you here won't get you there, right? So the way your business runs, the challenges, the services you have, the kind of customers you have, right? It, it's always evolving and changing without even factoring in competition coming in. Um, and, you know, there's just a million other factors, right? Government regulation could affect what you do. Um, look at COVID, supply chain could destroy <laughs> everything in your life. Right. So the idea that you're 
somehow going to get to a place um, where you're going to keep doing the same things all the time is very dangerous. And what happens, and I've seen it happen, and frankly, it's, it's happened to me, right? Is uh, these really are my lessons. Um, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, um, you get to a place, right? Especially as an entrepreneur, but I, I think this happens everywhere where you're making what we'll just call enough money and things feel like they're going really well and you coast. Mm. And when you're coasting, you things start to change and like for sure, take your foot off the gas, take a break, take a hundred percent behind that. But like, you also want to keep your eye on the ball, right? People should be tracking certain KPIs, leading and lagging indicators. So they see changes coming before it like rocks their bottom line. Right. And you're going to have to change almost certainly fundamentally the way you, you do business, right? And it's as something as big as uh, Twitter, right? Like these guys didn't think Elon was going to come, you know, <laughs> blow up their entire business, although it might be working out for the investors, but because <laughs> um, it looks like he's going to do the deal. And then even like you know, at Amazon, uh, Bezos always tells everyone that he doesn't think Amazon will be around in 10 years. And I don't, I don't think he believes that, but it gets everyone kind of thinking. And, and that's the ultimate like evolution of a business I've ever seen, right? AWS would probably be a top 10 IT company in the planet by itself, you know, and they just had some extra server space. And it's the only reason somebody was like, Hey, why don't we rent this out? Right. <laughs> um, you know, like we remember like no one, Gen Zers have no idea. We remember they just sold books. It's a library, right. you know, and um you know if you find something easy that's like on autopilot i mean it's probably like a you know a liquor store or barbershop right but like if you find that great but in my experience like things change too quickly and if you get comfortable and take your foot off the gas you're, you're gonna be in for an uncomfortable surprise yeah no no doubt um and i love the the, the quote you brought up from bezos because I believe he truly thinks that and he thinks it because what Amazon will be 10 years from now is not the Amazon today, right? To your point about perspective. Yeah, you're right. a bookstore to AWS, to this, to that. And now they're in every, everything. I mean, it's, it's incredible, but 10 years from now, it's going to be a different Amazon than it is today. And to your point about to our audience, as you're running your business, what your business is going to be five years from now or 10 years from now should be completely different because your customers are going to change. The market's going to change. The pandemic can happen, et cetera, et cetera. So to your ultimate point, you never really get there, right? You don't get to yeah. a finish line and say, yes, I've won. It's, it's one thing after the other, but of course, from time to time, it's important to stop and look back and just appreciate what you've accomplished. Yeah. I had a buddy who uh, exited last year and he was so funny. He, I mean, he struggled, I mean, struggled for 10 years, right? Like 10 years into this business, he wasn't making much, like was, didn't look like it was going great, right? And then in the following three years, rocket ship, like he cracked the code, figured it out, rocket ship growth. 
um, went, man, I think from like five, 600 K to like 3 million in three years, mm-hmm. uh, sold at a multiple sold for, I think 9 million plus stock, you know, and as they were getting ready to, I don't know how the deal came to him. I don't remember the mechanics. Right. But he called me and he was very, should I, shouldn't I about the whole thing? Cause he thought he could grow it. He thought he could do well. Um, he also, I think was offended that other people were telling him to sell, like they didn't believe in him, you know? And I was like, bro, bird in hand, <laughs> like, you don't know what's going to happen. And this is, it's actually hit almost immediately pre COVID now that I think about it. And I was like, it's not that there's a lot of risk in running a business, right? Like take the money, not because you can't do it, not because, you know, people don't think you can double it, but like, this is a win. Like you did it. And obviously COVID happened and you can be happier, but I don't know. It's just so funny that like how quickly has changed. And I think it's actually sliding back down. Like if he hadn't cashed out, hmm. he'd be in a much less comfortable <laughs> situation. Certainly. And you know, I, I see that all the time and I've actually had a handful of guests that talk about their exits. Um, and one of the common themes tends to be, especially your first business is you're so emotionally attached to the win, to making it successful. You know, my previous business, I ran into the ground as hard as I could, but I was convinced it was going to bounce at some point in time. But as you get more experience with running companies, you start realizing what your true sort of purpose is. And that's a whole different podcast, but like the purpose of your business isn't to be isn't to win, right? It isn't to like show that you're the, you're personally the best. Like there's a mechanical reason that you're running this organization. Um, and so it's interesting to hear his, his story because I, I'm sure at that day of the sale, he was contemplating like, is this really the best thing for me? Dude, he was, he was truly offended. He, he thought his friends were talking him into selling because they didn't believe he could take it to the next level. And like, I don't know. It was crazy. Wow. For anyone here listening is curious, I'm happy to sell. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> Borzu, jumping back um, a little bit, you were talking about how when you, as your business grows, um, you made a comment about every 20% of growth, you should redo your systems. Are there other tools that you've used or communities that you've relied upon as your business has changed? Like talk to us about how you've adapted from, you know, starting a business to its growth, to what you're doing now, like help us understand like what else is out there to, to help entrepreneurs. Um, so resource wise, right. Um, I mean, the best thing I ever did was join accelerator than EO. Right. And so there's, and I get, I think so much of this parallels general life lessons anyway. Right. But everyone thinks their business is this, you know, beautiful, unique snowflake and no one understands what they're going through or how it is. Or like you're pro- I have a buddy who's a dentist and makes a uncomfortable amount of money and, but he works 12 hours a day, six days a week. I mean, he's grinding uh, literally and figuratively on yeah. to make this money. And I was talking to him about like maybe hiring an associate and this and that, that, that. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. He's like, I, like, I won't make as much. I won't work as hard. This and that, that. I'm like, no, 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 I'm pretty sure every business, like the person running it would make more if they didn't have employees and pocketed all the cash. Like that's a, 
not unique <laughs> uh, situation, right? Like, I don't care if you're an auto mechanic or, you know, branding, right? Like if, but like, if you want to grow, if you want to do more, if you want some time back, like there's a cost to it, right? And I think, again, one, people think everyone's not having the same problems and they are, like, it doesn't matter what your business is, right? Um, two, um, actually this ties back to, you don't have to have all the answers. Like people have been through this, they figured it out, right? Like some people have answers to these not uncommon situations where like you don't have to learn the hard way, right? And I'll give you actually a personal example. It's happened to me in Accelerator. I'm not proud of this, but um, you know how when they, uh, was it sales tax? I think it was sales tax actually. But you know how when they sell you payroll tax or payroll services, they're like, hey, if you don't pay the taxes, it's gonna get real ugly. Well, that happened to me. <laughs> so uh, I got behind on payroll and sales tax, um, partially cash flow, partially, issue with the bookkeeper who was doing it, right? But like by the time we figured it out, it was definitely a cash flow issue. Um, and I, A, just felt like such a loser, you know? Like I just felt like if I was smarter, if we made more money, if I was on top of my shit, if I had a better bookkeeper, which I would have had if I had more money, right? Like um, this never would have happened. And I was I was an accelerator at the time and I was, I was truly like, embarrassed to bring it up like two or three accountability meetings i didn't say anything and finally my coach by the way is this guy he's got like a five million dollar year business like whatever like i'm just i'm about to embarrass myself in front of him and the rest of these people with this just utter failure on my part right and so i mention it and i'm like guys i'm dealing with this thing like i don't know what to do and he goes oh my god this just happened to me <laughs> <laughs> and I go, what? And he goes, yeah. And his situation was different, right? So he had, there was some big invoice from a vendor that somehow they missed. And he had to dump all his cash into that uh, to get some project done. And he was out of cash. And so he didn't pay sales tax for a couple months to whatever, pay, to even it out, right? To make it work. And he had the whole playbook for me. He's like, call here, do this. As long as you hit them up first, they don't care. They'll work with you, payment plan. But right, like literally had the playbook for me. And at first I was just so thankful that like I knew it was gonna be okay. And then I was like, hold up. I was like, this doesn't end. <laughs> it was like, even at 5 million, I'm like, you're still dealing with this kind of shit? And he was like, oh yeah, bro. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think, you know, so I think that's a great resource. I think obviously, you know, everything's on the internet in some capacity if we want to do the time and homework. Um, and I also just like get some like-minded friends, you know? So we used to do, um, we used to do like a boys brunch every Sunday morning from like 20 to maybe 24, right? And, um, it's so funny. Like we were, I mean, we were punk ass kids, Greg, like <laughs> half, it, half the thing was about the weekend, hooking up, partying, whatever. And the other half, we were just bouncing business ideas, strategies. We like really wanted to start something. It was like our, like, you know, club kid version of the Carlisle group, if you will. And we never did anything together, but 
one of my buddies, um, uh, man, I got to get everyone together again. One of my buddies is the one I just told you the story about. The business he ran for 10 years, blew up in three and sold, right? He was living in New York when that happened. Another local, and he's put together some like GovCon situation where like, basically every three or four years he's he can he can start his own company he can get it to a certain point and unload it on like a, a central deloitte or whatever right and so he's kind of like rinse and repeating that um another one has actually designed an agency also and it's crushing it right just for the sake of this podcast we'll say i'm crushing it and then um my other buddy oh my god he actually also had a <laughs> agency exited it and now has a cannabis VC fund in LA. Wow. Right. And so we never even did anything together, you know, but we just spent a lot of Saturdays and like, believe me when I tell you, none of us were qualified to be having these conversations, right? Like no MBAs in this group. No. Um, two or three of us, not even college graduates, right? Like, we were just friends who like really wanted to do something. And even though none of us did it together, like as we're having this conversation, like, man, we should do something together. Um, even though none of us really, although I think some of us have invested in the cannabis VC thing. Um, even though we never did anything together, right? Like we were just motivated to make something happen. And I think that's true like in every part of your life, right? Like if you want to have a successful family, right? You probably want to hang out with friends who like their wives and kids. You know, <laughs> it's going to be a better influence and a better long-term strategy than not that. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, it's And it's fantastic that you had that bug so early in life, right? Like you recognize it at 20 that there's something else out there for you to get your teeth into. Probably didn't recognize what it was or understand what it was, but just being in that community and putting out the positive energy yeah, well, did I tell you, my, my first job was a GovCon job. Actually, my first job was for a law firm. My second job was for a GovCon. And I was good. I was really good at what I did. And I looked at my boss's bosses. Like, I went 20 years down the line, best case scenario. I'm, like, number two person at this company. And I was like, I don't want that. Right? Like, like it's not even remotely appealing to me. Um, and it became pretty clear. Mm. And I think, I think actually that's an easy thing like most people can do, right? Like what's going to happen if you don't do something, you know, people, people think too much about the downside of like taking the jump and risk and like not enough about the downside of not taking it. You know what I mean? Like, like this is going to be the rest of your life. Do you want this every day for 30, 40 years? Like, <laughs> well said. Well said. So, Brazil, talk to us about uh, Nickel Bronx and what you're doing now, how you're helping customers, your sort of ideal assignment. Um, Give us a sense of what you're doing. So, we're, uh, we're a brand first agency, right? So, we do social, we do ads, we do SEO, we drive traffic to your site. But our whole kind of thing is what is going to make someone do business with you, right? What anyone can get traffic there. What's going to make someone uh, want to be a raving fan, want to refer you, want to tell people they work with you, right? And really kind of be drawn to you, 
right? And that's where your brand comes in. And it's a lot more than visual identities. It's look and feel, but it's also content, what you're saying, how you're saying it. Um, and we think that's really what we're kind of best at, right? And typical client path is brand strategy, brand marketing strategy, website. And then depending on the size of the company and what they have going on, sometimes they'll retain us to implement the marketing strategy. If they're either very big or very small, they'll do it themselves. Um, but you know, people come in kind of all over the pipeline on that. Um, I would say most of what we do is either uh, pre-revenue or um, post-funding, right? Like very early where they're just getting started or if they're rebranding, then they've already had some success and they're probably like three to seven years in and they're like trying to take it to the next level. I'm so dealing with someone who like made a logo on a napkin with their spouse <laughs> on a kitchen table, you know? <laughs> so what's the common, let's say there's a, a, a business owner out there who has contemplated rebranding, but doesn't want to doesn't want to do the investment, you know, that typical sort of song and dance. What's a, a common indicator that, hey, you should get off your ass and rebrand because X, Y, and Z have like, what's a common situation that you, that should motivate a business owner to seriously consider rebranding? Um, so I swear I didn't do this on purpose, but I'm going to, I'm going to tie it into my number three. Like it's, it's a bit of a, what got you here? What got you there? Won't get you there kind of thing. Right. So like the branding look and tone and, you know, some people, if they're like super, authentic about like just nail it you know what i mean like um like i think i could just nail it you know uh but most people um i feel like don't have a great understanding of why people work with them even if they do they're not writing their content or pushing themselves out in a way that speaks to those things Right. So I was like, I was doing an intake call with somebody once and I asked, you know, I was like, I was like, I was like, what are you guys best at? Why do people want to work with you? And he was like, oh, our people are the best. Like they, they love our people, this, our team, blah, blah, blah. But there's nothing in any of their marketing materials about their team. At all, right. And there's, I think, I think too often one, people are afraid to be like super authentic about their culture and their business uh, because they're afraid it'll turn some people off, right? But if there's anything we're learning in modern times, for every person you turn off, you attract one, right? So, mm -hmm. um, and I think that ends up being an even better filter, right? So like we, you know, our core values are like, give a fuck, make cool shit. And that's, we, we lead with that. And if someone really doesn't like that, they're definitely not gonna like working with us, right? So we're just, we're very happy to let them self-select their way out. Um, but then also they say what they think a prospective client wants to hear or why they think someone would work with them, which is just not always why, right? And then just in terms of like building a brand people resonate with, right? Like people are more likely to refer you. People are more likely to stay longer. People are more likely to just even want to tell people they're working with you, even if they're not referring you, right? And so at a certain point, it's, you know, the it's eventually 
the goal is obviously it's like a, it's a business, right? So the, the goal is obviously more leads, more revenue. Um, we're packaging it together in a way that makes people want to do that, right? Because even I mean, I could spend hundred thousand dollars a month on ads for anyone and get a million people to your site, right? But like, if they don't want to do business with you, it doesn't matter. That's right. You know, you're probably not the only site they're going to click on. You're probably, you know, if you're selling t-shirts on Instagram, fine, right? Like go one check, one click by that quickly. Um, but if you're in a professional services situation, they're, they're really going to want to work with you. Um, and I think that applies at every step of it, right? Not just the initial get through your site, but like your proposals, your decks, your emails, right? Like everything needs to keep pushing this forward. Um, so I would say either you're, you know, growing and you want to throw gas on the fire, right? Like things are going really well and you want to like increase the rate at which you're growing. Um, or if you're snag dating and you're not sure why, right? Like if you've had some success and you don't seem to be able to get other people to buy in as quickly as you want, there's probably something missing in your message. Got it. Got it. That's interesting. So Borzu, um, Somebody in the audience wants to reach out to you. What's the your social media platform of choice or email or smoke yeah, signals? I mean, what do you prefer? <laughs> it's a nickel like the coin slash metal, Bronx like the zoo, and then we're nickel Bronx everywhere. So Twitter, Insta, nickelbronx.com. Um, you can find that, fill out a content form, or if you want to hit me up directly, it's just my first name at nickelbronx.com. Fantastic. And we'll put all your uh, social media links and that email address in the show notes. So if anyone is trying to write that down, just scroll down and you'll find it. Sweet. It's been awesome having you on the show. I think we could talk and talk forever about business strategies and go on to different tangents, but um, the content you delivered today was fantastic. <laughs> right, uh, I really, really appreciate the time. All right, likewise, thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure. And that's a wrap, my friends. Thank you for spending your time with me. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at impactfulleadershipshow.com. One last food for thought, walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone.